This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. This is Jason Roundsville. I'm joined today with my co-host, Dylan Ray. And we have, from Bowhunter Planet, Dave Thomas. Dave, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate you being here. Um, you know, let's let's just start in. We, we've met before and, and have had a chance to visit. But for, for those of, of our listeners out there that maybe haven't, tell us a little bit about you and, and about Bowhunter Planet. Yeah, yeah. Um, been a hunter my whole life. Um, started Bowhunter Planet in 2009. And uh, from there, it kind of just developed into what it is today, which is um, one of the biggest review houses in outdoor hunting uh, on YouTube and Carbon TV. And um, and also, we have a podcast, the Plant Podcast. So we spend a lot of time between those two programs um, and reviewing products. And it's funny, actually, you brought that up because for the history, because I just had someone leave a comment about um, a video we did on the Matthews Helium way back in the day about how the music was too loud why the guy was talking which was me so i i laughed it off i just said you know i said those guys must be morons <laughs> 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 from us who made the video <laughs> but it just brought back a lot of memories and i was like wow man that healing was a sweet bow and i wish i had you know kept it around just because it was a it was a uh, major change in that brand at that time and you know it, it's just interesting to see the differences in bows and one of the things I've been looking forward to trying to get involved with now is doing what we do, but also trying to collect the heritage of bows. So trying to do videos on bows that we've never done that were before our time 
just thinking it'd be cool to capture, you know, some of that content online and, and keep it there for keepsake, you know. You want, I've, I've got a Golden Eagle uh, compound I can send out to you if you want to review that one. So I will borrow it. Yes, I will yeah. take all bows. I'm trying to, we're just starting that process now. One of the things I had to do for it is I had to work with a couple bow manufacturers, or I'm sorry, bow string manufacturers to help me out with restringing and cabling all of them because obviously I don't want it to explode on me or, or break it or ruin it by any means. So I started that process already. We started working on a couple old models we had laying around and sent them out. America's Best Bow Strings uh, was nice enough to redo a couple of them for us. We're going to reach out to some of the other string companies, try to get everybody involved just for fun. But, you know, it, it's just cool. And, and it's nice when they come back restrung because it looks like a brand new bow in some cases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, w- I was wondering about that because mine's been in a case for I don't know how many years. I mean, I don't know, 30 years, maybe. And uh, I don't know that I'd want to pull it out and start shooting it. Yep, you no, know, I was correct. talking That's with somebody. Problem. I was yeah. talking with somebody the other day about how I wish that I would have went back. You know, my first bow is a 2007, and I wish I would have kept every bow I've ever owned because it would be really cool to have a wall where you could just kind of yeah. look through with, the progression with, of bows with both of them on it. Yeah, you have a wall <laughs> with both bows. <laughs> yeah. No, it'd be really cool to see the progression and to see the yeah. the 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 line of and how they've changed and. And of course, it'd be even cooler if you could go back and you know start from the beginning, but but even from 2007 to now, they've changed immensely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, when you hold the bow, like I was at this time, I was holding the ultralight from Matthews, which was one, a bow my brother had purchased back in 1992 or 94, somewhere in there. And I had put that against their latest model and showed on video, and it's just such a stark difference between the two that it's like mind blowing what time has done, you know, when you see it. And this is the same thing that goes for bear archery. In fact, I was talking to bear about, do you guys have models I can loan to just do these videos? Cause I, I really want to show the transition of how a bow manufacturer goes from what we've seen in these early days of the, you know, 1990s, maybe even eighties, I guess, but in the nineties where I'm more thinking and then how that transition all the way up to where you see today. And you can see some of the, you know, when you look at a bow manufacturer, you can see, where the change started and where the change happens. And for, for like bear archers, for example, I feel like the carnage was a changing point for that, that brand. They went from like a bow that just, it, it looked a lot like the old fashioned bows to this carnage. that looked like really just amazing at the time. It was like mind blowing the difference in design. Um, and, and all the bow companies are like this, you know, they all had that transition period where it jumped though. And I feel like it was like 2000, to 2009 in there maybe even 2011 but right in that frame of time it changed this new concepts new designs new looks and i think you know that's what we're seeing today is parts of that that's great to have that look and and see it's interesting you've done it so much that you can see it in all the different companies it's, yeah even uh you know there's so many there's so many and when you look back and that's why I kind of disappointed myself for not keeping all those bows throughout the years, they would have been crazy right now. I'd have a garage full of bows, but it would have been so cool to be able to actually take from 2009 to 2021, all the bare bow models that I had, you know, whatever brand and like show them that would have been really cool to do. But again, they weren't always apples to apples too. So you got to remember that. So like, for instance, uh, you know, not everyone would have been the flagship, right? So that's the thing. If it's always the flagship, it'd be easy to kind of like see the change. But some of them, like in Bear's case, right, you got bows that are all over the place in price point. So unless you had specifically that, you know, flagship each year, 
it wouldn't necessarily be apples to apples, but you still be able to see some of that tech changes. You bet. And so what made you start this where you say, Hey, you know what? I, I just want to compare gear and let people know, uh, you know, how, how this is, if this is a good piece of equipment, if it's not, I mean, what, what made you get into that end of things? Um, I think it, it started off where we just wanted to capture a hunt and that's the first thing that happened. And then from there, I was trying to think of a way to kind of get involved with the industry. And I say that for a reason because industry, I don't think people realize, but like the industry part of it is extremely important. So you have this aspect of consumer, which is where we go to a store, like I'll tell you guys the story of this in a minute to buy something. That's great. And yes, consumers help you know, keep industry going by paying money and then you know, the companies make money. But the problem is if you're not involving the companies, you're not really trying to grow a heritage. And so at some point in my mind, I went from, you know, just wanting to capture the hunt to just capturing the whole feeling of hunting and trying to get more people into that. Because I'll never forget in high school, you know, I, I, I grew up in an urban area and in high school, there was only four hunters I knew in the whole school. And so that was like depressing to me that something that my, my father and my brother instilled in me when I was younger, uh, and how, how amazing hunting is, right? I mean, I, you know, speaking to you guys is speaking to the choir, but speaking to people who never hunted before, they've never seen a sunrise from the field. They've never seen a deer walk out with mildew on its back or licking its fawn or, or, you know, an eagle fly by or a hawk or a squirrel run up a tree and fight another squirrel or owl kill a squirrel or whatever, they haven't seen these amazing events that happen in the forest. Um, bobcats, wolves, coyotes, elk, elk bugling, turkey, turkey calls. I mean, there's so many cool things that happen. And I remember thinking in 2009, 2010, like, how can I help to influence people to pick up a bow and get outdoors? And I'm not, you know, guns are fine too. If they want to go out and hunt, I don't care how they do it. Just want to get them outdoors at the time. Right. And so, what ended up happening is I wanted to team up with the companies because I felt if anybody had the power to do it, they need to look inward, right? You can't just look outward to consumers. You can't just build the product. You have to market to new consumers that are non-hunting people. And so what I always wanted to do is I looked at what was happening in the marketing part of the bow companies, and that was the start. And I realized that there was a big gap. The people who are doing the reviews before, I love the guys. They're great people. I know who they are. And, you know, I've been friends with them for years. They weren't doing it to the quality I thought was necessary to bring in a new youth to the, to the archery industry. And if you can't draw in new people, you're never going to grow a heritage. And if we can't grow the heritage, we're really all done anyway. So, you know, it, it's got to get young. You got to get younger people involved. And I thought, I got to make this look cool. I got to make it look great. And so what I did is I, I teamed up with as many industry companies as I could at the time, and I still do today, to help fund the concept of getting better quality, better you know camera equipment, better everything. But I think we started to see this in the industry as well when you saw like Heartland Bowhunter and, and uh, you know Strut and Buck. You know you, you're talking quality of filming their hunts, which was awesome. That was a big help and a big start to it. Uh, but then the next gap was how do we get them excited about a product? specifically to go buy one and uh you know make them think or feel it's cool right that that was the big thing it's just getting through breaking through very cool i was expecting oh man i just wanted some free gear <laughs> no I've, <laughs> I've never been in the whole thing of the free gear to be honest i get a lot of free gear i'm not gonna lie but 
it's never been about the gear because let's be honest, a lot of people, you'll buy a bow and you'll sit on that bow for five, 10, 20 years in some cases. Yeah. So, so tell us about, you, you did some gear shopping today. So I, I think yeah, that's a great I, story. So, so last season I had put my harness, I had a harness. It was actually a pretty old harness. It was from Gorilla uh, Tree Stand. So I went back a ways, but I had, I must've put it like, in a, I put it in a plastic bin, but I it must've been wet because, or something in the bin was wet because when I opened it just a couple of days ago, it was all mold. The whole thing was disgusting. So I decided I couldn't keep anything in the, the tub throughout the whole thing. So I lost my harness. And then I was thinking like, well, I got to put up tree stands. I'm going to go in tree stands this weekend coming up because we're starting to open our bow here in Michigan. And I was, I was like, I got to get out. And that's where you guys caught me here in the middle of shopping. So I went out to Dunham's, which is a big hunting store here. It's kind of like a smaller Cabela's or a smaller Bass Pro Shop. And uh, I picked up this harness. There's only two harnesses to choose from. So I paid 100 bucks for this Hawk uh, harness here. And uh, it looks nice. I, I actually, you know, it was between this and a Muddy. And the Muddy was nice as well. But I've never actually tried a Hawk one. So I, I figured I'd try it this time around. And Hawk makes really good accessories, I like. So um, they give you some things like that in here. So I thought this is definitely worth a hundred bucks, especially when your life's on the line. You know, one of the things I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I, I spend a little time in tree stands. I don't like heights. And so for me, I can do it. And when I'm putting up tree stands, man, it freaks me out. Cause I, I you know, with the ladder stand, you lean it up there and then somebody has got to crawl up and attach it to the tree. And, and, a lot of times I'm by myself and, and that part always freaks me out. But one of the tools, because I see your trim kit there and I, I have to tell you, this is probably a little off the wall, but when you're hanging tree stands, one of the things that I've used that I've had phenomenal success with that, that I don't want to go without, and maybe it's because I'm hanging them a lot of times in pine trees and things with, with a lot of limbs, but I have a Ryobi pull, electric pull saw. And man, that thing is like 12 feet long. And you can literally, like when you get up to your tree stand, you know, you, you're like, oh, that limb is in the way, but it's like eight feet over there. And now all of a sudden you just reach right over and you and, and cut it off. And it, it's so quick. It's so easy. And it's safe because you're, you're literally strapped in, in your tree stand and doing this. I mean, the first time I put one up, I'm, I'm like crawling up the tree and sawing limbs off as I'm coming back down just with a handsaw, kind of like what you yeah. have. And it was, it was terrible. It took me forever. And now with that pole saw, it's just, zoop, 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 and it's so nice. Cause you can, you know, cut 20 limbs in, in five minutes and just get that thing hung. So something to think about if you're, especially if you know, you're going to be doing it, just take a pole saw with you. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually have that. I'm, I can't believe I forgot about it. So I'm glad yeah. you said that. Oh. I, thinking, like, I think I have that. Like, oh, I'm glad yeah. you said that. Absolutely, man. I don't want to, like I said, I don't do heights. So I don't want to hang a tree stand without my pole saw. Yeah, so. that's a great idea. I, I always forget about it. Honestly, I do because we used it maybe two seasons ago and we used it for something like you're talking about. And then last year, we didn't really do a lot of hanging, so I didn't think much of it, and I forgot about it, to be honest. And now you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I came up those poles, and I think I have the battery charging right now for like yeah. two years. Yeah. <laughs> so I, think, I think I'm good. I just got to pack it. I'm glad you said that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great. It's um, 
like I said, I don't do it often, but when I do, that's, that's the first tool in my bag. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, I was thinking about products, you know, like some of the cool things, like the perks of this job, I guess would be like, you know, we had Under Armour on recently and they had, they're like, Oh, you gotta try out our boots or you got you gotta try these. We'll get them to you. So that's like pretty cool. You know, like when you're like, all of a sudden you get these new boots show up, you're like, wow, that's kind of fun. And <laughs> they're like, then you get like, that happens to me a lot, guys. Honestly, with boots, I don't know why. I don't know why boots are an issue for me, or our companies are always about the boots. But I, you know, there'll be a five or six different pairs show up from different brands. <laughs> you can only wear one pair of boots. Let's be honest. I mean, it's kind of well, tricky. I'm a, you try yeah, to wear I'm a thirteen. Time, you know? Yeah, I'm a thirteen. You know, <laughs> Good. Regular. So am I. That's <laughs> uh, funny. That's, yeah, that uh, one's a weird one for me. I don't know why boots are weird. Uh, I used to we used to do um back in the day, probably twenty. 14 to 2016 or 17, we did muck boots as photography for them for outdoor hunting segment. And we had so many muck boots. It was literally the stupidest thing you'd ever imagine because every time you get a photo shoot, they wanted different boots every time. So we used all different colors. You can just imagine skews, right? How many different colors you would have. And then we'd have to go out and do these photo shoots. It was a lot of work, honestly. It was fun though. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about smoke bombs and how you use them for photography. That was interesting. And you had a guy like run through the woods with a smoke bomb. <laughs> and, then, and then you have like a guy come into the set with these lights flashing, but you got this like, it looks like fog in the background. Um, I don't know if you guys ever seen those commercials or no, those uh, segments where they talk about how like McDonald's creates their food for photography. And it's all fake. Oh, I have. There's nothing yeah. in the food that's real. It's like plastic yeah. and in varnish. <laughs> Same thing, right? This fog is even fog. It's like a smoke bomb. It was interesting. You're, you know, next time I look at an ad in a magazine or online, now I'm going to be looking. I'm like, is that really fog? Is that real fog or is that smoke bomb? That's a smoke bomb. <laughs> they're huge, too. They're like 12 inches. Look like a stick of dynamite. And they're real thick. And you literally light it, and it's a stick of smoke just going off, like a, like a smoke bomb, like a little one, but a giant one. And you just run around in circles. Somebody runs around. You try <laughs> pick the youngest guy yeah we always pick the biggest guy it's the funniest crap <laughs> and uh and he'll run around and try to get the, and you're like hurry up get, get out of the set <laughs> that's funny i've also Not... crashed about five drones probably lost about twenty thousand dollars in drones yeah that's always been fun drone drone uh filming the best yeah i you know i've been <laughs> around that just, just a little bit but but not much. And I, I've, I've not, do you fly them or do you have somebody else do that part? Well, I guess if I'm you're crashing on person. Okay. Yeah. I'm so, a hands-on person with everything. So I, I'm very like, I like the, I like to use the cameras. I like to use the drones. Yeah. Or in this case, crash them gravity test. <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. That's how you got to do yeah. reviews on them, Jason. You got to see how much they can go through. You got to get the breaking point. <laughs> yeah. That's I, that's how I am with, the, with those. Uh, a test drive for a car. I figure you know what that should be the worst ten minutes of a vehicle's <laughs> life is when I'm test driving it because I want to know exactly how okay. fast it'll shift from zero to sixty, or you know yeah. how it corners. So those first now, uh, first generation of drones were the worst because they had they had no sensors for crashing. So like 
the latest ones, which we have like a newer one now, like they won't hit anything direct. Like they'll, they'll actually sense you're going to hit it and they'll turn off or they'll back off or they'll, so it changed a lot of things. Like all the wasted money from crashing was stupid because now they, they really don't, I mean, they can crash, but it's a lot more rare. And, and people don't realize that drone, using drones in a hunting setting is really hard because trees getting around tree limbs, you might not see the limb, you know, it could be a tiny little branch. And so you just got to hope the sensor picks them up. But yeah, that, that was terrible. I'll, I'll never forget so many different clips of those drones going down hard. <laughs> I have the video, you know, yeah. to go up. <laughs> you know, that, that might be uh, that maybe that's just something you're into, you know, like you like crashing drones. You like, you know, throwing your phone on the floor of your truck, you know, stuff like that. Right. <laughs> Betty had the same reaction. Yeah, not for nothing. yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Although when you yeah. crash a drone, then you're just like, oh man, there's some great footage. You know, I'll send this one to you and you can just jump out of the tree with it on to make sure it works. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I'm gonna, it's, you better check the weight limit on that bad boy. Speaking of stuff, it failing, says 300, right? but it says 300, but what does that mean? I mean, does that mean like 300 with the down pressure if I jump? Right. Cause that could be like 700. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking, you know, gosh, if it's only 300, I may have to change up the boots I wear that day. Yeah. But speaking of speaking of stuff failing, have you guys ever had a bow like blow up or anything during a review? Yes. And the only time we've ever had a first off, it wasn't a, one of the big names. So I'll say that to start. Number two, I won't say who it was because we didn't do the review after it had that problem, obviously. And we ended up sending it back and then working with them to figure out why they're having such issues. But it was more of the crossbow. So, but with the compound bow, um, I don't think we've ever had, well, there's different kinds of breaks, right? There's what they call catastrophic explosion, which means like the bow blows up. And, you know, like I've seen a video online of my friend Jason Bell shooting a bow. And he, he did one where the limb came out of the pocket while he was at full draw without shooting it. And the whole thing blew up. You guys might see it hit him in the face. He had, like stitches over his eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've never had that happen or seen something like that. The only thing I have had happen is we had a, a limb crack one time, but it didn't blow the bow up. It just heard a snap. And I looked and there seemed to be a crack in the limb, which we then got a hold of the company and dealt with it um, to figure out what their problems were. But yeah, no, I've never really had, I've had a crossbow shoot by itself. And that was one of the ones I was talking about in the beginning. Um, which was scary. And I said, I'm not, we're not touching this brand. It won't be on the show period, because there's no way I'm going to promote anything that has any sort of major issue like that. That was like ridiculous. Um, but other than that, um, I never like, we've never had like anything like not work necessarily or break. Um, I've seen some cheap sites like break, you know, like in field, uh, uh, more like maybe you're hitting a branch and just like snap in half, which is weird. And that's a brand that's no longer in the business, but I, there's, you know, some things like that have happened, but nothing major. I would say, I would say most hunting gear is made with very high quality uh, from what I've seen, especially the bows. When I worked at a bow shop in college, we had this guy come in and his bow uh, got draw locked. And so he walks in and he's just nonchalantly carrying this bow and the strings just dangling and the limbs are, are, you know, pulled in and we're like dude like and and he like you could tell he just like threw it in the back of his truck drove to the shop and we're like that thing could go off anytime and he was just nonchalantly carrying this thing through the shop and we're all like freaking out and stuff and 
oh, it was bad. I'm like, man, you should really take some more precautions <laughs> with this bow. Did you fix it? That happened. that happened before with a crossbow. I never saw it with a compound, though. Uh, we did, and it was terrifying. Terrifying. It's like one of those whole, it's like the whole time you're messing with it, you think it's just going to go off and blow up at any time. And so yeah. it was terrifying. How'd you but, get it down? Did you guys press it? Yeah. Yeah. Just put it right in the press from there. Oh. Wow. That's crazy. I've had people do, um, where they, they torque it in the, in the, in it, um, derails. Is it called decamming or whatever? The string comes off the cam. Yeah. Derailing it. Derailing it. That's the word. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen a couple of derails in my time with the, the hunting team has had a couple issues there. I've never had that issue, but I don't torque my hand, my wrist or anything. So I don't know. We had this, we had this guy come in one time and he had two handmade longbows and he talked about how, man, I've been working for months on these things. Each one of them, you know, uh, years, however long. And, and I've been studying, I've been learning how to make these and, put all my time and effort into these and I need to get the, the poundage tested. And thank, thankfully it wasn't me. My buddy walked back and, and put it on the scale and pulled it back. And about halfway down, dude, the whole bow just shatters into 15 pieces. And so he walks out with this oh bow in pieces in that guy's face. I thought, I mean, you, he looked like he'd seen a ghost. And uh, my buddy said, well, if it means anything to you, it got to 32 pounds when it broke. Oh. And, he, and he said, oh. would you like me to test the other one? And he said, oh. No, I'd rather not and walked out. Oh, no. Oh, it was horrible, man. That's, yeah. It felt it, so bad for the guy. You know, that poor guy harvested the tree, dried the wood. Oh, it was like, bad. Did the whole nine yards. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, I saw, um, I was walking to a, a bow shop one time. It was like a box store years ago, way before I started BHP. And uh, this guy was drawing a, was a golden eagle at times i think your favorite over there Jesus. yeah he, was, he had his golden eagle back and it exploded <laughs> catastrophic explosion in the middle of the store and parts flying everywhere people getting hit i think i got hit by a nut or a washer or something um but I'm, i'll never forget it he still had the string in his hand like he never had let go of it so he was the weirdest he was like telling the manager he can go look i still hold the string <laughs> yeah. and, and then I was at a pro shop locally here, like a, uh, maybe in 2011. And this guy had come in and somehow, you know, I don't know if this was before the zip tying of bows, but he drew back one of the latest Matthews models and dry fired it on accident. It slipped out of his hand. And I don't think it broke the bow. The owner got up and he was like about to yell at him. But then he saw the guy was bleeding. And I think, <laughs> I think he's like, Oh God, I'm going to get in trouble for anything. You know what I mean? So, and then he was like, are you okay? You know, it was crazy. But, yeah. And then after that, you start seeing zip ties on everything. I think in like 2013 or something. It was funny. Yeah. I've always... I, I've never seen a, a full-on... I've never seen just somebody pull one back and just let her go. But I've seen a couple of times where... Um, I was bow fishing one time, and as I drew it back... The, the knock just wasn't tied on the string. And I had no idea that the arrow stopped about halfway back. And, uh, and I let that thing go. Unfortunately, my arm caught the string. So it was like the oh. first, first fish of the day on like a 10 hour drift down the river. I can say this knowing she never listens to the podcast, but, uh, my wife just got a new bow and we were out sighting it in. And so I was handing her arrows as she was shooting. And, uh, in between arrows, I said something, you know, hey, pull into your back wall or whatever, a little tip or whatever. And 
and she drew back and did, buddy, she got anchored and like took her time, breathed through the shot and boom, drop fired this bow. And she said, you never handed me an arrow. I'm like, how are you going to blame this on me? Like, she's like, well, it was your job to hand me arrows. And I'm like, well, you gotta be kidding me. But like, it was funny because it was a full shot process. Like she went through everything. It wasn't like an accident. It was like, oh, it was hilarious, man. Yeah. I think it happens more than you think. We had that. It happened in the studio a couple times where a guy pulled back the bow ready to shoot. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got no arrow in there. He's like, oh, God. (laughs) So they just hit the release anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wonder what the minimum. This would be a good test. I don't know the answer to this. I I, I think I'd have to make some calls and talk to people in the industry. But what do you guys think is the minimum weight you have to push off that string to where it doesn't? cause an issue you oh, know so wow. if you have the lightest arrow in the world what if you don't use an arrow and use like a bb or a? Have uh, i see that? a guy put this magnet with a little ball yeah slingshot so i wonder how heavy that ball is and what it has to be weight wise to where it doesn't explode the bow that's a good scientific question yeah I'll, there. I, you know what I, i'm in i'm in for the boots yeah i'm in for the boots dave but on the on the dry firing the bow i'm gonna let you guys i'm gonna let the pros handle that I mean, I seen that kid throw that in China. He put that ball in there and shot a, a slingshot ball. But I don't; those balls could be heavier than you think. They're not always a lightest ball. But I can't imagine the height, the weight. I guess they could be dense. I don't know. Hard to tell. Uh, the brain's working, but Dylan, anyway, you can see it. He's got well, something turning. Yeah, you know. So, so here's the here's the thing: is we always ask this question on our podcast every time. And I bet Dave we, has a good answer too. I'm thinking that I'm like, man, you know, of all the people he's seen a lot of gear. And so, um, you know, Dave, here's one thing when you're out hunting of all this gear you've tested or of all the gear you've used, what is one thing that you take with you that you don't want to be without like something, maybe a non-traditional, not, not like your release or, or binos, but what is one thing you don't want to be out there without? Bow rope. <laughs> I've climbed trees without bow rope before, and it's terrible. Uh, no, but I would say, uh, like, I- I'm big on the hangers and stuff, so, like, I like to be very comfortable when I'm hunting. So I definitely would not want to be in a tree stand without my bow hangers and or pull-up rope. Um, that's pretty much it, I think, for that. Or, you know, I guess I could say a rangefinder, but I have done it without it before. And to be fair, you know, I hunt Michigan, and most of our shots are 20 yards to 30 yards. That's just the way our land is, and... So don't really have to have a rangefinder for the most part, unless you're hunting a field, then yeah, you would need it. But um, yeah, I think so. I think I would say with the bow hanger, because the new hangers are so cool. Like they got all these things going on and multi hangers. You can put like your phone on them and stuff. It's the cool stuff. <laughs> so I, maybe I need some of that because my, uh, I was just out last week and my bow rope was quite literally a piece of, uh, of baling twine. <laughs> orange bailing twine with the loop in the end and then my bow hanger was one of those screw-in things that you know you screw it in it's just a hook so i i clearly need to to up my tree <laughs> stand equipment game i'll see if i have any of my stuff I, I went shopping last week to buy stuff too and i see if it's still in my truck but i'll show you guys oh i think some of it's here yeah good but yeah i'll show you watch this you're gonna be like whoa so I had come here last week, same store, and I bought some stuff. Let me flip the screen somehow. So something like this. So you see what I'm talking about? It's got two hangers. Whoa. 
It's got telescopic, right? And it's got it's got all these additional hangers you can hang all these different things on. Uh, so this was thirty five bucks. I bought this. This is a three arm long reach. It's called from Hawk. And as you can see, it just it takes on a ton of stuff. I also got this is cool too. Hold on, I'll bring this into the frame here. So this is a cell phone holder that's going to attach to this. You should put that in or your anything shop. or a GoPro. Yeah, yeah, I know. I should, have, <laughs> I should just open this thing up and just use that. You're right. But yeah, so there's all that. I bought a drag rope just to have one because I there's only five boxes on sale. And then this is the type of pull-up rope I generally use. It's got a, a reflector so I can see it pretty easily from the ground. And then it's got a nice hook. Uh, so it's just real fast and easy. And for four bucks, it's completely worth it. And, it, you, you know, for each stand, I buy one of these so I can just cut it to where I need it uh, and keep it simple. But, uh, you know, I've got some stuff ready to go. Weed Whipper. I got some sticks. Um, this is uh, from Novix Outdoors. I'll be, I'll be putting those up. Uh, they're, they're, they're makers of lone wolves. So I'll be doing all that stuff this weekend. But, yeah, that's the kind of stuff I, I really enjoy is because it's just so simple when you're doing it to have all your stuff hands free like that. Um, I wouldn't want to be without that. Feel. How about you guys? What'd you guys pick? Well, D- Dylan, what'd you pick? Um, chapstick. Oh, you picked chapstick. I haven't said it yet. I'm still holding out. I don't know. As if I had to pick today, <laughs> if I had to pick today after, you know, hanging a tree stand the other day, I would, uh, I'd have to go with that Ryobi pulse on man. I don't want it for tree yeah. yet. That's yeah. a good one. So I'm not saying that's my official answer. I'm just saying as of today, that's that'd be the one I'd have to go with. <laughs> but well, well, what else, Dave? Tell us what what you guys have coming up. It's and and just so everybody knows where you're at, it's bowhunterplanet.com. Definitely need to check this out. If if you're a bow hunter, if you're thinking about being a bow hunter, the information you're looking for is probably on that website. So um, what else, you know, tell our, our folks, what else you guys have coming up? They need to be aware of and watch for. Yeah. So, uh, we will be helping with all the different bow launches coming up. So make sure you guys are staying tuned to the YouTube page. Uh, we have a lot of new bow videos come out 2022 stuff in the next week or so. Um, a lot of companies getting ready to launch. So it's kind of exciting. It's always the best time of year here for us because it's a lot busy, a lot of work going on, but um, you'll see a lot of new bows hitting the market soon, and um, it's going to be really exciting. We're also on the other side working on our Gun Hunter Planet, which is something different than we haven't done in the past, and um, we have a different team doing it, but that's going to be an exciting little venture we're playing with. And really, this works out to our advantage because at some point, when that one becomes as large as this one, we could then start working across the, the industry to try to get more heritage or people outdoors hunting. That's the ultimate goal here. So if I can, if I have a platform that's going to touch two platforms, that would be ideal, you know? So the more, the better is the way we look at it. That's great. Well, that fits right with us, you know, working to, to promote bow hunting, um, out in the world and, and make sure people know about it, make sure people hear about it. And I love that you guys are also into the heritage and Hey, let's see what, you know, how the equipment has progressed and things that, that's, uh, that's why we won John because it's a very good fit with Pope and Young and our preserve, promote, protect. And so we, we appreciate what you guys do over there. So, um, thank you. Yeah. 
Well, Dave, th- thanks so much for spending some time with us today. It's always a pleasure to visit with you and and hear the stories and and uh, you know one piece of advice: next time you're putting gear away in one of those plastic totes, if you dry it out first, the mold problem goes way down. <laughs> hey, this worked out for me. I got some new stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> see, see, I, I I don't have to have a moldy tote to go buy new stuff. I just don't ever need that reason. <laughs> I have a feeling it's something to do with fate. I'm, I have a feeling that the old harness might have broke or snapped because it was old. So I think oh, yeah. this worked out really well. Yeah. Well, and I, <laughs> I think we've all used those old harnesses because one I had the other day was like a maze, man. It was like, I think it was one piece of two inch strap webbing that was just like in this crazy configuration and you had to figure it out. You, you hold it up and I use it every day for like four or five days in a row. And every day I had to hold it up and say, okay, if this is the carabiner, where's the other? Okay, so that's the left leg, and I, I and I got it right most of the time. But I, I think I think it's in my near future to go invest in a good in a good harness. So I can appreciate that. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. And uh, everybody out there, go check out bowhunterplanet.com and uh, see what Dave and his team have been up to. Thank you. Thanks, guys.